0: This week, I have the honor and the privilege to kick off our new series for the holiday season. Alan introduced the theme last week, uh, the theme titled Unexpected. As we look at women named in the genealogies of Matthew and Luke's uh, genealogies, of their accounts, uh, in keeping with the theme Unexpected, I'm actually not going to do a name that's in the genealogies. as you can expect, um, it's got to be unexpected, so we're going to start with a name that is not in there. Uh, but this person is kind of key to all of the genealogies. If it wasn't for this l- this woman, we would not exist, um, at least not in the situation that we are. The genealogies talk about all these men, and. We know that the, the Bible was, a, it was written during a patriarchal time. So there's a lot of men throughout the scripture, throughout the genealogies. But there are some women who are important to the story of Jesus. And what we're going to kick off with is Eve. She is the mother of all. And this morning we're going to see how her story connects with the story of jesus and connects to us but before i start i've got to ask what's the day before christmas what's that called christmas eve do you know what the day before that is called it's christmas adam because adam came before eve um so there you go there's your learn something for the day uh, so <laughs> moving on <laughs> quickly i suppose um <laughs> We'll be looking at uh, Eve, uh, not Christmas Eve. We'll be looking at Eve, the first lady, um, and so many of us are familiar with her story. But let's look at some of the text to see who she was, how she came about, and how we connect. So, from Genesis two, starting in verse fifteen, the Lord God looked on. Looked. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord the Lord God commanded the man, "You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die." The Lord God said, "It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him." Now the Lord God had formed out of out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds on the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that that was its name. I don't know where he came up with the word platypus, but he came up with it, apparently. So the man gave all the names to the livestock, to the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. I'm going to pause real quick on this. This is not a key part of my lesson, but animals are too different from humans. No suitable helper was found. Animals are not right for us to have relationships with, if you know what I mean. Okay, just scripture then goes on to explain that later. But there's another point to this. (coughs) So verse 21 so the lord god caused the man to fall into a deep sleep and while he was sleeping he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh then the lord god made a woman from the rib that he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man and adam's first words wow beautiful no it was the man said This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. I think I would have said, wow, or, whoo, look at her. But no, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And what's important, I talked about the animals being not right. Eve was similar, but not the same. Eve was different enough to have a relationship with rather than being the same or too different. That's important for us to remember. Not part of our lesson specifically, but that's something for us to remember. This passage introduces us to Eve. This passage shows us that Eve was made for Adam. You could say they were literally made for each other. And I, I, I just cannot imagine the beauty in Eve. She was crafted by God's hands. She was the perfect person physically because God created her. So everybody here, everybody online will have, if you ever see her, <coughs> excuse me. You will know that's Eve when you get to heaven because you'll see her and you'll go, wow, that person was not created by person uh, and two people. That person was created by God. And I think that was the same for Adam as well. So God created Eve from the rib. And this passage, again, introduces us to Eve. And don't get me wrong. We are all created in God's image. Uh, Genesis 1:26 through 28 reads: Then God said, "Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground." So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God He created them, male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Roll over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on on the ground. So we were created in God's image. Adam and Eve and all of us have been created in the image of God. Psalm 139 starts in verse 13 reads, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. She was made in the hands of God from a rib of her husband, not in a womb like everyone here. She was not created with parental role models like you and I. She was not created as a child being protected from the things around her like you and I. Coming from Adam's rib, she was created not as one with power over him, not from the head, so she didn't have power over him, and not from the foot, so she was lorded over, but from the side, being made equal. But also, being created from the rib, where like a hen protects her chicks, Adam was to protect her. But she also had a job to protect his breath, his life, and his heart, like your ribs do. And I believe Eve is given a lot of blame for the condition of the world. After all, she brought sin into the world. But I want us to take a look at this a little closer. Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other any of the wild animals the lord god had made he said to the woman did god really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden the woman said to the serpent we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden but god did say you must not eat from the fruit that it, from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die you will not certainly die the serpent said to the woman for god knows when you eat from it Your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. We're going to skip down a few, (coughs) excuse me, a few verses So where God comes into the garden and they start having this conversation. The man said to God, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. The Lord said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock. And all wild animals, you will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. On this day, God promises two curses. We just read the first one. Cursed are you above all livestock. The first curse is to the serpent and the second one is to the ground the ground is cursed and as a result we have to work our ground work the ground fruit doesn't just happen we have to work the ground so the food is grown jerry you're a a farmer you know what it's like to work the ground i know what it's like to mow my yard and that's hard enough but there were repercussions to what adam and eve did but it's interesting that the serpent was cursed and the ground was cursed but adam and eve were not because god loves them in the same way he loves us now don't get me wrong there's a punishment and they have to deal with that women your labor pains and the childbearing is going to be much worse than it would have been. Men, you have to work. You've got to earn this, um, you've got to bring the bread home, right? And so as a result, we have a, a punishment, but we were not cursed. If you notice as well, the word sin is never used. Sin is not used in this whole story in fact it's not used until uh, genesis 4 now abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil in the course of time Cain brought some fruits some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the lord and abel also brought an offering fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock the lord looked with favor <coughs> excuse me the lord worked with favor looked on Get my teeth back in. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will, not, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin, here's the first word of sin ever mentioned in the Bible, is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. But you must rule over it. The scripture read before I got up, the scripture that Wes read came from Matthew chapter 4. Where Jesus was tempted by the devil. It must be stated that since the day Eve was tempted and she fell into that temptation, the devil has been at it. He has not stopped trying to bring sin into the world. But God promised the serpent, the devil, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head <clears throat> and you will strike his heel. The devil has not stopped striking at our heels. He, has, he, he even tried te- tempting Jesus with food like he did with Eve. He tempted Jesus to prove who he belongs to like he did with Eve. Did she belong to God by listening to him or by listening to the the serpent herself and her desires? Then he tempted Jesus with things that was not his to give away, like he did with Eve. Knowledge of good and evil was not the devil's to give away. That belonged to God. And it's funny, as parents, we want to protect our children from the evils of the world. When there's something bad on the television or around us, we cover their eyes. When the fireworks are too loud, we cover their ears. All to protect them. As parents, we want to protect and keep our children innocent of the evils. But sin has its way of working and teaching our children before we or they are ready. Satan was striking at the heel of Jesus. As he all too often does with you and I. But it's promised that Eve's offspring will crush his head. And he doesn't want that to happen. This word offspring becomes an important word in the story of the Bible. It shows up again and again all throughout the Old Testament. The line of offspring is traced from Adam to Noah, to Abraham, to Jacob, to Judah, to David. And all the way along, with each important person that comes up, we ask, could this be him? Could this be the person of the promised offspring, could this be the promised offspring of the woman who will crush the serpent? And each time, we are painfully disappointed. This is the season we get to celebrate that the promised offspring of Eve was finally born. And his name is Jesus. And today we're going to see how, perf- how Jesus perfectly fulfilled this promise. This Jesus of Nazareth, who is the one who crushed, is crushing, and will finally crush his ancient enemy, Satan. Luke's Gospel of Jesus towards the genealogy of Jesus all the way back to Adam, and therefore Eve. We have the understanding of the offspring of Eve will crush the head of the serpent. Luke jumps, from the, jumps into the temptation of Jesus uh, like Matthew does. But Luke's account goes from the genealogies straight to the temptation of Jesus. So we see all the way back from Adam and Eve and this promise straight to Jesus' temptation and how he defeats satan's temptations and unlike you and i unlike adam and eve and everybody else jesus resisted satan he fought back he clung to the truth of god's word instead of letting it be twisted by satan and i wonder i wonder if panic seized the kingdom of darkness in those moments as satan and all his legions realized that for the first time in history their game wasn't working. Jesus was not taving in. He was exhausted, hungry, and alone, and in a place of complete weakness. Where most of us would have long since given up, Jesus dug in and said, It is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And think about your life. Think about how easily you've given into temptation over And over and over again. Think about how easy we've made it for Satan to deceive us and what little effort he needed to put us astray, to lead us astray. And now look at Jesus, weakened from 40 days of starvation, with subtle, alluring little temptations being dangled in front of his face, ones that most of us wouldn't even think are sin. And he says, no. No discussion. No negotiation. No wavering. Solid, unflinching strength. And Satan can do nothing but back down. The devil didn't back down because, he, uh, because even though he was defeated in the wilderness and hopelessly overpowered by Christ, the ancient serpent was not going to give up. He was waiting for another chance. <coughs> Excuse me. He was waiting for another chance. And that chance came the night that Jesus was betrayed and led, to be led away to be killed. In Luke 20 th- uh, 22, verse 3, um, Satan enters Judas. And this led Judas to uh, go arrange to betray Jesus to the authorities. And there in the Garden of Gethsemane, after Judas' awful kiss was planted on his cheek, the other disciples abandoned him. It reads, Jesus said to the chief priests and the officers of the temple and elders who had come out against him, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you day after day in the temple, you did not lay your hands on me. But this is your hour and the power of darkness. That was the hour of the power of darkness. This was Satan's hour. And so it's very likely that in this whole process of entering Judas and getting Jesus arrested and killed, Satan thought he was winning. Maybe, he thought, maybe if I, could get, if I couldn't get Jesus to sin, I can ruin his reputation, settle him to shame, and kill him before he actually takes claim as king. On the throne but satan had no idea he had no clue that jesus had outmaneuvered him he had no idea that as he moved in for the attack he put himself into checkmate he had no idea that jesus still had the upper hand even as he uh, was whipped and beaten and led up the hill and nailed to a cross and hung up to die this was god's plan what looked like Satan's greatest victory actually became the very thing that sealed, the, sealed his doom. It was Jesus' death that he destroyed. It was in Jesus' death that he destroyed the power of Satan. He reached out to strike at Jesus, but in doing so, he was destroyed. Satan bruised the heel of Jesus, but in that very action, Jesus crushed his head. And so it was on the cross, Jesus won victory over Satan. It is funny to me that temptation of the the temptation of Eve came from a tree. And our salvation from that sin came from Jesus hanging on a tree. So this morning, I want to invite you, whether you're here in the building, whether you're at home, I invite you, as James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. In just a moment, if you feel uh, called to respond, you may come forward or send a text to the number that's on the screen or write in the comments on the the YouTube page. Perhaps you want to ask for prayers. Prayers for strength, for forgiveness, direction, whatever it may be. We as a church want to support you as a family because we all are descended from these two people. And so we we need to reach out and we need to support our family. (coughs) It may be, (coughs) excuse me. It may have been Eve that fell for the first time for the devil's ways, but she certainly wasn't the last. We've all done it. We've all fallen for it. <coughs> I am certainly, uh, I'm certain both Adam and Eve lived with the regrets and guilt of their actions for the rest of their lives. I want you to know that you do not have to live with the regrets of your actions. Your bad decisions your sin. You may be walking with bruised heels where the devil has been snapping at you, but the serpent's head will be crushed. Jesus, the offspring of Eve, came to crush the head of Satan. He came so that we might choose him to live for instead of ourselves and instead of our selfishness. He came as a baby, grew up to be a man, died as a sacrificial lamb and one day and this is the hope that we have he will return to bring us home to heaven now if you've been listening to this today i don't know if you know christ i don't know if you have tr- uh, if you haven't trusted in jesus please hear the sobering truth that you do have reason to fear but it doesn't need to stay that way you can turn to christ today For safety for and salvation, through the cleansing power of baptism, a reenactment of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. God's word promises in Psalm thirty-four twenty-two the Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So please don't leave this morning without turning from your sin and believing in all that Jesus is and promised to be. Please come and talk with me or an elder or anyone who does know who Jesus is. And if you do know who Jesus is this morning, then know that you can walk out of this place. You can walk out of here into whatever is ahead of you with absolute safety and confidence. (coughs) Excuse me. With absolute safety and confidence. Not because we are strong, but because we belong to the snake crusher. And he is strong. I'm going to close with a passage from Romans chapter 5. Therefore, just as sin entered, through, entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. Skipping down to verse 17. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and all and the gift and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also the one so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, there were many, uh, many were made sinners. So also through the obedience (coughs) of the one man, many will be made righteous. The law was brought brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you're willing, let's stand and sing our invitation song. My eyes are